You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Danny Fingeroth, and you are listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Venom the Mace, a three-issue miniseries from 1994 by Carl Potts and Liam Sharp and Bill Reinhold. But anyway, I'm Curtis, your host, and with me today is John Della Rose. Hi, John. Hey, Curtis. How are you? Good. Did I get your last name right? Did I pronounce that you correctly? You did. I'm, I'm impressed because a lot of people don't. <laughs> um, secretly, I heard it said because I was listening to one of your YouTube episodes, and I heard someone pronounce it there, so I kind of cheated. Cool. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, because this is your first time on the show. Why? When did you start reading comics, and um, and are you particularly a fan of Venom? Yeah, my first comic book I got was Amazing Spider-Man 375 uh, that oh, I ever go. got. Okay. Yeah. And so my first experience was a beautiful gold foil cover, and, uh, and then Spider-Man... You know, and Venom and that Deathlock on the cover, yeah. and me being, gosh, I don't even remember how old I was, you know, maybe 10 or something, and just wide eyed with this. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So I started picking up the Venom miniseries uh, right after that. I was big into Maximum Carnage. I, I rode my bike down to the comic book shop. I think it was like a, about a five mile bike ride, but Whoa. I was going to pick up every issue of maximum carnage there was no way i was going to miss it nice and so i had most of these including the mace uh when i was very young you don't have them anymore oh i do still have them yes. okay excellent yeah. yeah that's good they're, they're in a nice short box yeah awesome <laughs> so uh and you are a comic book artist yourself right i'm a writer oh a yeah. writer yeah that's right yeah i've got a book out uh, called flying sparks I, I like to use this quote because one of my readers called it the best indie comic of 2018 nice and uh that ended up on a, a very successful crowdfund that made about $30,000 last year. Wonderful. And uh, I had just finished up uh, the second volume on Kickstarter, which is available on my backer kit. Hopefully, uh, there'll be a link somewhere. And uh, the first volume is actually up on Amazon. So if you got Kindle or if you, you want to just get a print copy, it's also there. So can you tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, it's uh, the high concept, a hero and villain dating under their secret identities and don't know it. So you've got a lot of these uh, uh, sort of like 80s and 90s vibes that you get from a lot of the epic books that, that you talk about here. Um, I, I try to weave that kind of storytelling into an ongoing comic series now where each issue kind of has its own start and climax going on, but builds towards something bigger. And uh, of course, their relationship is central to that. So you've got uh, a, a nice superheroine lady uh, who I modeled after uh, Stephanie Brown Batgirl. Oh, yeah. And then and you've got a mobster uh, who has some superpowers uh, who she's dating. So it's it's a lot of fun, and it's a lot of, like, bite bite your nails, hoping they don't find out each other's secrets kind of drama uh, like like you get from uh, the superheroes back in the day. Cool. That's That sounds great. Well, let's talk about this miniseries, The Mace. Now, you said you read it back in the day. You know, I've only read, before I read it for this podcast, I'd only read issue number two because I had 
that issue way back when I think I bought it off the stands with the intention of buying number one, number three, but I never got around to it. So uh, <laughs> I remember being very disappointed in this yeah. from buying it and not, not because of the storyline back then. I, I don't think I cared much. I think I just kind of like flipped through and just wanted to see Venom say, I'm going to eat your brains or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. But as I recall, this was the first number one that didn't have, like a scratch and sniff cover or a foil cover or, or oh, something yeah. like that okay. out, out of the miniseries. And and I was like, dang, I really liked those. So That's true, because the previous series, Enemy Within, had the glow-in-the-dark cover. And the one after this cool. is Spirits of Vengeance, which has a, a, a red foil cover. So, yeah, how did this one miss out? I don't know. I don't know, but it was two, it was two ninety five regardless. So <laughs> brutal. They, they overcharged. <laughs> oh, okay, that's funny. Yeah, the nineties Venom was just everything about Venom is such so nineties. It, it's like just the concept of the character, like the lethal protector, because we had a whole lot of antiheroes coming out around this time, and 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 the foil covers and the all the number ones. Every storyline is a number one, and just it's it, everything about it is what killed the market <laughs> in the 90s it killed the market but i totally ate it up when i was 12 oh absolutely so. me too yeah. yeah and and so did yeah. many other people i mean venom was wa- wildly popular so so in in preparation for this yep. i read uh i i got the venomnibus uh, so i could get these nice big oversized art versions of this and and read all the way through i read up through it and uh i obviously there's not much of a connection between the series as as each series has different writers involved yeah. so they they really don't continue much from one to another but there's a little bit i mean there from lethal lethal protector there's a woman who uh starts showing up more and more through these and then i i think beck came from did she come from lethal protector or the second series i can't remember she came from the second series uh and she plays a huge role in this one Yes, she does. So she played a really big role in The Madness. That might actually be the one where she comes in, um, The Madness. That's right. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that she plays a big role there. And then she's not in Enemy Within, but she is in The Mace. Now, the Ma- yeah, The Madness was um, Anne Nascenti, and this one is Carl Potts. So, yeah, and he's still living underground in San Francisco. There's like this weird underground homeless community that Venom has de- has deemed himself the protector of. He's 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 part of this family. No one's going to mess with these underground dwellers as long as he's there. That's right. And this centers around uh, somebody. Uh, I, I guess this series centers around a really odd plot that the, these very nice homeless people up until now, who are just really insular and helpless and and really just trying to keep to their own, are. Uh, you know, one of the side plots here is that they're they're mess. A couple of them are going out and messing with other homeless people in the city. Right. Yeah, and that came out of nowhere. I was kind of like, this doesn't jive with the prior series. No, that, that, that kind of bothered me upon the read. Well, why don't we? Since we're we're starting oh, to talk about the first issue now, we're let's just, there. <laughs> yeah, let's just dive right into it. The first issue sure. is called Hard Hits, and yeah, like you said, there's this group of squatters who live above ground. And they are being harassed. Uh, they're like getting mugs. People are beating them up, stealing their stuff or whatever. And so they want to hire someone to protect them. And then out of nowhere, this guy named the Mace offers to offers his services. 
Now, what's interesting is they, they keep calling him Mace without the the aspect of it. Right. Um, and so they call him Mace over and over again. But everywhere he's listed in any Marvel, I, I guess even on uh, later stuff, he's just listed as Mace. So it's, it's strange that the title became the Mace. Right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I didn't even catch on to that. But you're right. They just call him Mace like that's his actual name rather than... Yeah. And some sort of code name or something like that. But yeah, he, he finds out that the that the attackers are actually from the underground community. And he goes, he's going to go and uh, take care of them. But of course, Venom's there to, to protect his underground friends, not knowing that they're the ones responsible. And then they, you know, they have to face off against each other. Yeah, so so backing up a little bit, because that, that's the pretty much general overall plot of the, the issue. So Venom starts out, you know, sort of, protecting homeless in the city and then mace actually is involved in another plot where he's fighting against these these sort of like armored dudes who call themselves the sunrise society and upon my first read of this i was sitting here like who are these people are they a big part of the marvel universe i don't remember them being in much uh from my childhood and then why is he fighting a guy who is like Iron Man. That and it's never explained. <laughs> I was waiting like surely they'll say at some point oh I stole Iron Man's discarded armor or something like that but it's never ever mentioned why this guy looks exactly like Iron Man. I was totally waiting for that because in the prior miniseries the madness was it the madness uh or one of the prior miniseries they had a, a character who looked exactly like Ghost Rider and they they made right. that dialogue in there yes so this exactly is, uh, I, I was totally <laughs> expecting this to happen here too yeah so strange yeah they just come out of nowhere they don't explain who they are and and it's just kind of a mess it feels like the whole thing is really kind of rushed the dialogue is sloppy there's terrible yeah. terrible lettering um, I thought all throughout this book the placement of a lot of the word balloons were were just awful and i'll give a yeah, couple it's examples like they, as we it, go along some of them they threw they threw I'm, I'm on um okay i'm on page nine like right after they introduced bad iron man and there's just just this like giant circular lettering and i you're on lettering right now because you just interviewed a letterer which yeah. is pretty funny but uh it's just this like big circle bubble which is a big no-no for letters by itself and then there's a ton of wasted space in there where they just like seem to haphazardly place the letters uh what, what's the dialogue in that one it's it'd be a waste of the Sunrise Society's resources to fry you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's okay. So and, and what was the example I wanted to give here on page four? Okay, so at the very top, Venom is about to squish this guy's head, <laughs> and the dialogue is um, added to your own physical mass. The tendrils' strength can easily crush crack and then there's this big crack and then crack. he says well there you go what a messy boy and then and then so where do you go from here where do you go from here is you go you, you it looks like you go down to this fellow that's standing behind venom he says thanks venom those punks said this was their territory we'd have to pay to walk through it and then he says the territory has been cleared of hostiles sam those bubbles really should be switched it should be it should be venom Definitely saying be the territory has been cleared of hostiles sam and then sam says thanks venom <laughs> so and there's there's just sloppy stuff like that kind of all throughout the book and you know who does the lettering in this it's richard starkings the guy who i interviewed last week and and i love his work but that's hilarious i wonder if there was just a rush. I feel like this entire miniseries was rushed. And 
I know that Richard works with a team of people, so I don't know if it was actually him that was placing things and he wasn't checking through with it or what, but there's just some really, really weird stuff here. Who, who knows kind of like what was going through the minds there? And I, I know that as as kind of the the, deep, the art got the art got a little more detailed in this period. This is this is where they kind of made that transition into what we kind of expect modern wise uh, to where to where the art there's a lot more you know just just to the line art than there was you know ten years prior to this. And um, I, I think that plus the monthly schedule they're probably trying to hit uh, probably did impact a lot of books at the time. Yeah, but when you have a series like Venom, where it's it's a monthly series, but every single storyline is a is a different creative team, so it's not like these guys had monthly deadlines. Sure. Like they could get a lot of a long lead time to make sure that this all kind of goes down. But it's so confusing because at the very beginning, Mace is running through the forest. These guys are catching him, and there's he's just mentions a lot of people and things that we have no idea what he's talking about. He mentions the Shadow Masters. He has to find the Shadow Masters. Maybe they can find Kimura um, if he's alive, and maybe he can help me. What does any of that mean? We don't know. And that's okay, because we're and in the first And for some issue. reason, he's in San Francisco and going to, to Los Angeles. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make a big deal of saying south, south, south to Los Angeles, but we don't know why. And so, but, but yeah, like I said, this is the first issue, so it's okay. We're allowed to jump into the middle of a mystery because theoretically everything's going to be explained to us by the end of the story. Spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, this is a, this, this, uh, there's so much dialogue going on here and so much they're unpacking on us in the middle of a fight scene, too. So, so it, it not only, just is very confusing with all these terms and names that, that I have no idea who they are, but it also slows down the pace of what's going on uh, with Mace. I, I don't, he's got a Mace, which is why I guess his, his name is Mace. Um, and you get the, the impression that it's got some powers. He's got some powers, but again, they just like, don't really clearly define what that is. And it's, it's just very strange. It's very strange. Okay, I have another example of just really bad storytelling in this issue. You have to jump ahead um, pretty close to the the end, where the where Mace ends up inside Beck's car. Uh, oh know? yeah. Okay, so this is this okay. is really strange because he's inside the car. They have we have two panels of uh, he's he's invisible and then he reappears and Beck is surprised. Um, here's the dialogue: Maintain your grip on the wheel. Why are you kidnapping me? Why did you uh, Why did you attack the undergrounders? And then, in one panel, only one panel, he says, "Kindly drop me at my destination. I will explain." Now take a sharp right here. No, after this. Really, you're gonna you're gonna show us in one panel in one dialogue balloon that she's supposed to take a sharp right, and then she does take the sharp right, and then he corrects her to say after uh, t- no take the one after this, uh, and then like and then she says, excuse me, now in sharp would have meant the next turn to most humans. So obviously she took the turn, but it's all in one panel. It is not shown. It's it's all it's in not dialogue. shown at all. It's yeah. all in dialogue, yeah. and it's just. It, it, it there's stuff like that that's kind of all throughout this book as well and if they just added like a couple panels and like shortened the little talking heads here and added like a you know a car you know shrieking around a corner it would, it would actually look much 
more visually stimulating too. Absolutely. Or just don't have that dialogue and it wouldn't no, make any no difference at all. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah. And, and uh, this is what's interesting is, is when Beck was introduced in the, in the earlier miniseries, she was interesting and the relationship she had with Venom you know, she, she kind of is into the bad boy thing. She, she seems to like to fix the problems. Right. Yeah. And she did the same thing with the juggernaut where she, you know, she started to get a little, little talky with the juggernaut trying right. to, trying to calm him down too. And so she really likes these kind of like mysterious powered beings, which, which she's is, is in character here with Mace a little bit. Um, but she's also like, she takes a turn in this issue compared to the others where she's just rude all the time. Um, and she's just, I mean, if you, if you, go back a little bit earlier she's on a date for venom's birthday or whatever and she's just like why aren't you fixing all the problems in the city get to it and then, Ven- <laughs> then, he, then he then he and then he puts his costume on she's like oh my god take your costume off it's terrible i yeah, can't handle it it's like right. yeah. within one page it's like you just told him to <laughs> yeah 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 that's true and that's all throughout she, this issue she has she just constantly is berating not just venom but yeah. everybody she talks to Every single person, whether it's Sam or Alan or Mace, like the all of them, nobody can do right in her which eyes. The, which is the opposite. Which is the opposite of her character in the last series because yeah. she's trying to find the good in everybody, right? Trying, trying to, trying to bring everybody together and make them better. And and here she's just kind of really just somebody I would never want around me ever. <laughs> so I guess we have to chalk so, that up yeah. to just the different writers not re- I guess Carl totally. maybe didn't read the previous miniseries and um, didn't exactly know what her character is supposed to be but you know that's kind of what editors are for as well to keep things consistent like that so. now I'll also note that in this uh, in this spot where you were uh, talking about um, how he, he says he'll kindly explain uh, when he drops to the destination he, he explains a little bit uh, kind of like the, the base situation where the group of people hired him uh, to protect them from, uh, I guess, the underground people who were um, trying to trying to attack them, but uh, that's all he really explains. He doesn't really explain his past with the Shadow Masters or, or the Sunrise Society or right. anything from earlier in the issue. Yeah, and that's left off. And then later on, we'll get to it in issue two or three. But later on. Beck knows all of it and like recounts the story, even yeah. though it wasn't shown to us. I here. was going to make that point too. It was like, how the heck did, <laughs> did I miss something? I went back and looked and no, Beck, uh, Mace doesn't say any of that, but, but Beck somehow knows the entire story. Sometimes when I read comics, I do read through them a bit fast, especially going through the action. And that's what I thought. I just kept reading this series thinking, Oh, I must have missed something. And I turned back the page and I, and it, invariably I just did not miss something. It just was not it just wasn't clearly uh, shown to us. <laughs> yeah. Okay, one more lettering thing before we move on here. So we're still on that page with uh, with Mace in the car, but the, the page before that, we get a really kind of a cool splash page of Venom um, by Liam Sharp and Bill Reinhold. And then, uh, let's see here, at the very top, there's a speech bubble. And then they drove off, um, and Beck didn't look very happy. And the speech bubble kind of goes to his shoulder. And if you follow it through all the way down past his hand and like in the corner the the lower corner of the panel there's oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a guy down there and i guess this is the guy that was talking and you can kind of see that there's a little tail that wasn't colored white it's colored brown or whatever the same as the background it's 
because the whole tail of this bubble or this balloon is going behind Venom all the way down. That is just a sloppy choice of placement. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Reading it, reading it the first time I was like, this is, this is just not professional whatsoever. Um, but I get, I, I guess I get the choice because actually Venom looks really cool here. He looks great. Um, and so you definitely don't want to put a balloon over that or a tail over that. No, but you know, you could put the dialogue around, like around, uh, down his shoulder or something like that. Or, or who cares? Don't make that guy talk. It's not. It, I don't yeah. think it'd be unusual if he's. There's a guy back there pointing at Venom. So uh, his his dialogue is, and then they drove off, and they and they didn't look very happy. So, so he's so that oh, yeah. dialogue. I guess is yeah. pressing Venom to actually go. So it, I I think it was a failure of the artist to communicate that they were. This this is how I would script it. If if I if I had this page here, yeah, and I knew that Venom uh, had to go and um and chase after them and had to have a reason to do so. Um, what I'd do is I'd add dialogue afterwards uh, when I saw the page and be like, okay, put this in there so that it helps explain what's going on. Because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes artists do that. Yep. But and, and it could be that, and then it got poorly placed on top of that. And you know, that's just, that's my rationale for it, at least. Could be. Here, here's how I would yeah. probably do that. So we have the, the panel up in the top corner. We see this guy, I, mm-hmm. th- I think it's Sam, coming out of the sewer, looking at the car. Instead of, I'd b- better find Venom, I would say... Venom, there they go, or something like that. Oh, that'd be much better, yeah. And then Venom can say, oh, yeah, there, I'm going to go great. Because it seems like there's time that passes between him coming out of the sewer and him finding Venom in the splash page. But there doesn't have to be. Not at all. Venom could be standing right there beside him off panel. Yeah, a lot of weird pacing stuff that doesn't doesn't make much sense in this this issue. Yeah. Oh, it it ends with him finding Beck and Mace, and then Venom kind of, kind of, beats up mace and, and beck goes no he's a good guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then then we <laughs> i love eddie's flowing locks in this mini series <laughs> he's i mean he's got some he pretty bad like hair Cobain. here he, he it's yeah. be, i don't know if it's better than the mullet that he's had in the previous issues or the previous stories but it kind of looks a little ridiculous too i think i'm just used to short hair eddie brock I don't know. It it feels very uh, early '90s grunge to me, like like a yeah. Kurt Cobain vibe, which I kind of dig. So that's true. I don't know. That's true. And uh, this is '94. Did and Kurt Cobain died in '94, I think, right? Yeah. So that would have been. I'll very... note on, on some of the arms where you, where you see Eddie's arms um, without the costume uh, through, throughout this issue. They, they've got those like he's got like intense veins on yes. his arms. Yeah. And it it reminds me of like the clone degeneration from later on in Spider Man. Oh, uh, it's, the it's like they color color that in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> not that that was yeah. intentional. But no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, take us through issue number two. All right, issue number two. Uh, we've got Beck berating Venom, and for some reason uh, he listens to her anyway. And then uh, he has a big fight with uh, Mace. And Mace uh, has disappearing powers, sort of. But then Venom shows off that he can have these chameleon-like disappearing powers, too. And they fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. Big action. Not much development whatsoever. Yep. Um, and then evil Iron Man shows up at the end. And with very little explanation, Venom's just like, we have no choice. Let's fight together against evil Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was, uh, man, this, this whole issue could have been condensed to maybe four pages. 
except we yeah, had to totally. have these characters fight. I, I was like, why why is Mace doing this anyway? Because he was he was on the run. He's being pursued and he's desperately looking for people. Why is yeah, he stopping? <laughs> why is he stopping to help these people? Like it doesn't make sense why he's here. And they they say it's like mercenary for hire, but then the the people who are like doing it, they're like, well, when the people come out here, you can take whatever you find on them. And that's that'll <laughs> right. be your payment because we don't have anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's really no reason for him to risk his life. No reason for him to do this. His stopping doesn't make sense. I, I guess they wanted to develop. There's these bad people in the underground also that Venom's trying to protect, and yeah. it's not you know he's he's just rash and making bad decisions i guess but but that makes venom unsympathetic like there, there's no good that comes out of it and, and none of it ever gets followed up on again because of the whole miniseries structure yeah so yeah and more questions are raised so there's this one picture where venom uh reveals that he can blend into the background as well and uh, we have the the panel right beside is Mace, and he's invisible. The only thing that's visible is his hand, because he says the circuitry is broken. But he's got this glowing dragon tattoo on his arm. And they really make a point of making that stand out. Oh, it stands out big. Yeah. And there seems to be no purpose for it. Yeah. No purpose, but yeah. it looks cool. Um, and then also, the um, when when this is the issue where where Beck is explaining uh, uh, Mace's, Mace's history. And she says, she makes yeah. a comment about his health, that he has health issues. And we, we don't know anything about that either. Apparently Beck told her all about the health issues, but we're, we're not going to find out about the health issues. No, it's, it's, it's just a lot of random facts dropped all, all over. And it just seems like they, I don't know. I don't know if, Carl Potts was getting paid by the word or something, so he just had to throw more in there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but yeah, this is it really you you could skip the dialogue of this issue almost entirely. Um, you get you get more of Beck uh, you know, berating both Mace and Venom at the same time. Um, she's just mean to both of them, and for some reason they listen to her. Then they just fight some more, and then they fight some more, and then they fight some more, and you can just flip through the pages. It, it, it feels like Mace is not very much of a threat to Venom, so it's. I, I feel like about halfway through the issue, it's like, oh, we better, we better make him, you know, have a little hurt on his symbiote a little bit, so he, uh, he ups the danger. I, I liked his little strategy there of of using the laser on his chest to to heat up the symbiote so it would move away and expose the skin, then quickly take little pot shots at him at the exposed skin. It, it's definitely a cool strategy. I don't. I don't know why he would understand that uh, to be a strategy. Right. But it's uh, and it, uh, <laughs> but it, I mean, it looks really cool. I mean, I guess it, it, it comes back to that with this uh, this whole issue, right? Um, and then the big splash page, the big splash panels of, of Venom just like look really awesome. Uh, so there is that. Yeah. I'll give him that. That's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. So one thing I want to mention here, yeah. and this is uh, if you go to the the one none of these pages are numbered so i can't give you page numbers but uh the page where beck is standing in the alley and she swears and she says they're both behaving like idiots yeah there's a lot of graffiti on this wall here and i always love looking or paying attention to artists who put graffiti on the walls because they usually mean something by it there's a lot of names on this wall and they're all real people a lot of names so um you can see 
to the left of the pipe that's running up the wall, you can see an upside down Ditko and Colin and Cubert. Yep, and and then you get some some Bob Kane in there later. Yeah, Bob Kane is on uh-huh. the site there, and the I had to Google most of these because I had no idea. But the ones that stood out to me is there's a box that says Toth, Munoz, and Pratt. And that's, of course, Alex Toth, um, Jose Munoz, who did a, a fantastic noir graphic novel crime crime story called Alex Sinner. Um, and then also Hugo Pratt, who did the fantastic adventure series Corto Maltese. So those three are actually, um, they all influenced each other, even though they're all from different countries in the world. That's um, really cool. So you put them all in a little box there. And then, so I had to Google these other names. So I'm just going to f- fly through them because because uh, they're, because I want to <laughs> show that I Googled all of them. Um, Zepp is the name of a guy who does a French comic strip, or comic series called Titouf. And he just had a, uh, I think he just had a graphic novel published by IDW or translated by IDW called A Strange and Beautiful Sound. And these other names are just, uh, oh, Mark Badger is here, M. Badger, toward the, close to the garbage can. It's upside down. And he did a lot of work for Marvel um, or, and DC, I think, as well. And then all of these other guys are either Italian or French or Argentinian. Like, they're a bunch of uh, comic creators from around the world. Ivo Milazzo, you can see Milazzo near the top there under Zepp. So are we assuming that Bill Reinhold put these in or Liam Sharp, who did the breakdowns, put them in? I'm pretty sure that Liam Sharp did this because he's British and all of these people would have been way more well-known in Europe than they are in America. And so the fact that he's he knows all these people and he's putting them on the wall there, I bet that it is Liam Sharp. But yeah, there's um, Attilio uh, Michalusi, Jordi Lafebvre. Jose Ortiz, Franco Sardelli, Corrado Mastiatuono, <laughs> and and Ruben <laughs> Procopio. Procopio. I hope I'm pronouncing all those right, but they are actual cartoonists, and I Googled them and did a little, Im- little image search, and they are all fantastic artists. It's, it's unreal, the talent there on that wall. Cool. I'll have to look them up later. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely do that. And uh, um, if anybody's listening and wants to try out some international comics, I definitely recommend Alex Sinner and Cordo Maltese. Both of those are excellent, excellent comics. Uh, overall, yeah. uh, I, I know we, I know we've been, we've been bashing the story pretty good, but um, overall, I, you know, other than like a couple of the, the the weird pacing things, which I don't know how much is dictated by script or whatnot. But I, I like the visuals a lot. I think I think there's a lot of detail. I love how bulky Venom is uh, compared to, to some of the prior issues. I, I, his head shape's kind of weird from this rendition, but, you know, it actually fits. I think it's pretty good. I actually like the way that Beck is drawn a lot better than the prior miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I, I actually think the art's very solid through this. Just, yeah, and this, this issue issues. in particular... Because of all of the action, yeah, I feel like they're maybe because they don't have to rely on storytelling as much, they can get away with like the big splash pages and just the cool poses. And it look it does look great. Just having a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. especially like, like the one where Venom is using his symbiote to create the multiple shields. Um, just a really yeah, nice that's cool. splash page there in the alley. Well, are you ready to move on to the third part? Yeah, there's there's not much else to talk about for that issue. They really did not develop much or give us any information. Right. So, 
not like issue three is any different. <laughs> <laughs> issue number three is called Deadly Dealings. And in this one, uh, now the, the Sunrise Society has shown up to take out Mace. And uh, Venom recognizes them as a threat because they have caused an explosion. Okay, so here, <laughs> let me go back a second to to the page where there's the explosion. It's a blink if you miss it. Uh, so there's four vertical panels, skinny. Oh, yeah, that oh, wasn't five communicated very well. <laughs> visual panels. In the middle one, you see an explosion. Why, wh who exploded? Was it Venom? Was it Mace? No, the panel before, there are tiny, tiny little missiles coming out of the sky. And if you don't look carefully, you don't see them. But we're supposed to infer that. Oh, I didn't uh, see that. Yeah, yeah. there you go. You, yeah, you didn't see them. I just saw her blowing up, and I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. And, and the thing is, she's still talking through all the blowing up. Yeah. So she's like, no, don't pull that trigger. So you assume because her dialogue is don't pull that trigger. That somebody pulled the trigger. There, that, that somebody pulled the trigger. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah. it's Evil Iron Man that does it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Evil Iron Man is in, in control of this uh, group of, like, r cyborg samurai or something like that. I don't even know. Um, and they're all after mace and because beck got hurt venom's joining the fight too so venom and mace team up against the sunrise society to have a big fight yeah you get an awesome double page action montage like almost immediately into it yeah uh, which, which looks really cool. nice to look at yep yeah it's very nice and then venom makes a no one harms innocents while we're around sort of thing i guess to be the hero yep and then we get uh into i guess I don't know. There's a there's a little bit. Oh, this was a fun part for me. I loved this because so throughout the issue, they keep talking about uh, Mace having an LCD system, and that's how he becomes invisible. There's I guess there's all these LCDs all over his suit that that makes him invisible, and and he starts to run out of power in this issue, so that kind of goes away. Um, now in this entire issue, they just said LCD, LCD, or, or through the series rather, they said LCD over and over again. But yeah. In issue three here, they decided to make an editor's note uh, like four pages into it after they've said <laughs> the term LCD probably 15 times over the course of this series right, right. that they're, that it's liquid crystal display. Oh, and, I and they had to explain that to that. us here. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, now, it, of course, it seems absurd to try to define LCD to us these days. I, I guess in the 90s, maybe that wasn't as common a term, but you know, you'd think they would have done that early on when they started using the term definitely but you know even though lcd is part of our our regular everyday culture now i bet you i wouldn't have known what lcd actually stands for i bet you a lot of people don't i've seen it before but i, I forgot i saw it yeah let's see so action 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 um there's really no explanation to the sunrise society why they're after him why mace is fighting why venom's helping mace I, I, it's just a lot of fighting. Yeah. And Beck is, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and Beck, Beck is, is dying out. this whole time, slowly dying. Yeah. <laughs> I love the part where Venom decides to, I, I don't know if he's assuming she's dead, uses her corpse as a distraction, <laughs> starts trying to animate her with his tendrils. Oh, man, it's so weird. Uh, it's bizarre, especially since I guess his whole onus here is to protect her. Yeah. So drawing attention to her really doesn't make any sense from that level 
and it, it's just a, a series of events that just don't make sense. Uh, so just don't think about it. And it's uh, that's okay when you're 12, I guess. But it's not okay now. No, no, it's not. It's not when we're being critical <laughs> like we like to be on the <laughs> no. nowadays. Um, okay, so there is this one page where uh, some terrible, terrible balloon placements. Let's see. There's the page where where Mace takes off his little mouth mask and reveals his full face. And then you, yeah, then that's, that's a big reveal, except for he's not recognizable whatsoever to, to anybody who's reading this. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Like, who no. cares? <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, okay. So, and then turn the page and we have the two, okay. the two panels at the very top here. One of them is Alan saying, each of you is worse than the one before. Uh, and he says, hmm. And then there's a, there's a text bubble, a uh, text block that is supposed to be mace's dialogue it says hmm over alan's head and then he, in the next panel you see alan but it's through the infrared uh goggles of or the in infrared vision of mace and he and he says except for that righteous venom guy this is alan talking thing you're all swear i it does it doesn't doesn't make your it doesn't make sense what he's venom saying there. guy slash thing Oh, so, the Venom so guy slash thing. That's what he's saying. Oh, okay, I see yeah. what that is. I thought that was an exclamation very, mark. <laughs> it's very poorly communicated. There, but then for sure. also, yeah. if you look behind this this balloon here, there's actually an invisible guy holding a baseball bat that's about to bash Alan's head in, but it's completely obscured by the by the dialogue. Oh yeah, I can't see it. You can't see oh. it. Um, I only know because I I was confused at this whole scene because Mace then says. I should let that HTN shut him up for good. But he is part of my client group. Uh, and I'm like, what is he talking about? And then, he, and then he shoots this invisible man that's also in this panel fairly poorly drawn, like you can't, kind of obscure, you can't really see it. But yeah, there's no reason for, again, like that. It's, it's useless dialogue that Alan is shouting. If he wasn't shouting it, you could see the guy sneaking up behind him with the baseball bat. Yeah, I, I see no point to that. And I also, like, when you when you see part of my client group, it, you feel like he's actually been hired by somebody, like like a corporation who matters or something like that, right, and yeah. not a bunch of hobos <laughs> who are right? they don't have anybody so, <laughs> who are like just begging for protection. Yeah, so it's it's a very weird phrasing that kind of pulls you out of it because it just doesn't make sense uh, on the dialogue front. And then he straight up asks Mace why he does it too, and the and and then Mace does the I'm a I, I'm a mercenary. That's what I'm being paid for, right? <laughs> but, but it's 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 like the dialogue just does not flow character-wise because he's so concerned about his mission in issue one, where he has to get to the south, and and then he's now he's just some like hard mercenary who doesn't care about anything. Yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. The most bizarre thing in this issue, I think, is the very end after all of the action is said and done and i guess all of the the sunset society guys um are dead or or they kill themselves and mace gets a, a nifty pair of shades that apparently beck was going to give eddie as a birthday present <laughs> gives to now, mace now, by instead. the way by the way in the climax here guys venom doesn't do very much he just kind of once he once he uses uh beck as a distraction he just kind of, uh, he's got, I guess he's got one page where he's beaten up some of the, uh, the grunts from the Sun Sunrise Society, but Venom does not take on the big Vi Iron Man guy. That's true. Um, yeah. He's the big villain. 
Right. And this is the this is a Venom book, right? So yeah. Venom should be taking on the big villain and being the hero at the end of the day. But he just kind of cuddles back, and then Beck gets mad because he's got his Venom face on again, <laughs> yeah. even though his Venom face totally just saved her. And then uh, and then Iron Man and Mace just kind of fight each other, and it, it goes back to the Sunrise. So now now we've gone through like we start out with the Sunrise Society narrative. We go into this like you know he's a mercenary, and then we just fight for two and a half issues. He he reminds everybody he's a mercenary because we probably forgot at this point because he there's no evidence of that happening in the entire book and then it goes back to the sunrise society at the very end and it's like oh by the way we better wrap this up and get back to the real plot without venom having to do anything so venom could have just left at this point and not been in the book and it wouldn't have mattered yeah that's that's okay that's so strange because the last two if you listen to my last two venom episodes i said the same thing about about the venom stories if you remove venom the story continues it doesn't matter at all he just gets caught up in somebody else's problem and doesn't. Do I guess he distracted like... somebody, some mooks for a bit. That yeah. So, ah oh, man, and then at the very end, Venom oh, boy. finds out that he that the underground people are the ones responsible for stealing. So he, um, Beck begs him to just exile those people, but instead he completely murders them, hides the bodies, and doesn't tell Beck about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's awesome. That's the yeah. best part of the whole story. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, it it is. Uh, especially as he does everything throughout the issue to listen to Becky, despite Beck being awful to him the whole time, and he totally just bends to her will 100. percent The reason he's fighting alongside Mace is because Beck like begged him to, and he just has no reason to for real, and he's doing it anyway. And then at the end of this, like he just disregards her throws her off like that that's just so weird but i like it from the perspective that venom's a psychopath and I, I think yep i think they don't they don't play that up enough they always tell us venom's a psychopath in these miniseries but they don't show it very often this is a good good like oh yeah he is he, he is the venom i was i was waiting for like i this is yep. what i wanted out of the whole, whole series yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to call him a lethal protector, then you're going to have to show the lethal part every once in a while. And uh, by ridding his community of the of the the scum in a very lethal way, then yeah, that's that's kind of what he's all about. So there's more mysteries with the Sunrise Societies, which we did skip over. Uh, he so after his fight with Iron Man, he removes Iron Man's helmet. Uh, it's not it's not really Iron Man. I'll remind everybody again. Yes. Uh, and then the Iron Man guy has the same face as him. And right. Beck and Venom are kind of standing back there, and they go, "He looks exactly like you. He's your twin." And the guy goes, "Not close, but quite." Unfortunately, there are a lot more just like him back home. So um, I guess there's a whole clone army. Home in quotation marks. Yeah, home in, in scare quotes. Yeah. And I wonder if all of the <laughs> other guys that were fighting here also were looked like him. We don't know that, but uh, all the other That'd robots. That'd be pretty yeah, I, I definitely would be interested to know that. I can't tell. Now, they all had, um, what, I, what I noticed was they all had, like, kind of uh, European names at the beginning. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I guess the, this originates from Japan or something. Is that even elaborated that this originates from Japan in this series? I, I don't no. remember that. No, I don't think we know that at all. There, there's a couple panels where Iron Man looks like a samurai from memory. 
yeah, or something like that. All of, a bunch of these guys have like samurai swords, and like there's definitely yeah, a true. Japanese influence in these guys. But uh, if they all look like, but then they then they all have European names, and he looks like the Punisher kind of. So, yeah, exactly. Very weird. Yep. So lots more questions uh, and no no answers whatsoever, and that's that's where we wrap up the series. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, overall, on a scale of uh, one to ten, <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna give this, this is like a, a pretty... primer on how not to write stories. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and it's mm-hmm. I like Carl Potts. He he writes some great stuff. Like there's, I I don't know what's happening here in this story that that causes it it to be so awesome. I mean, to be so awful. Liam Sharp is also really great like his stuff on the Hulk and stuff. And yeah, no, the, the, the storytelling, I mean, I, I've, it's got to go down to like a one or a two out of 10. I mean, this is, this is, there's no excuse for any of it, frankly, the, the art. Um, I, I like the finishes. I, I definitely like some of the big splash pages and all that, but the layouts are, are really confusing. Um, they don't, they don't make a lot of sense at times. Like you said, they feel rushed. They, they just don't communicate the story very well. And that's, that's Liam Sharp there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. While there's a nice, a lot of nice visuals to look at from a comic storytelling perspective, that kind of fails. So you kind of got to go like a maybe five out of ten on the art because of that. I maybe think so. six yep. if I'm being generous. And then I guess if you blend the two, uh, you're looking at a, a, a three out of ten comic. So. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. not Venom's greatest moment, that's for sure. And then, so there's more to this story. Okay, so. When we were talking about doing this episode, you were like, well, I feel like I should know more about the Shadow Masters. And I said, well, their story's all collected in another trade. And then you went out and got it, right? Yeah, I, I knew my local comic shop had it. And I thought, you know, if we're going to talk about this, I should know what I'm talking about. Maybe maybe people understood this. But the Shadow Masters were not, like, proliferated over Marvel very much. No. They were a Punisher side sort of thing. Created by Carl Potts. Yeah, he definitely did that. He trickled through a few issues, and they, I, I guess he talked Marvel into doing a four-issue miniseries that just focused on them, which was not a superhero book at all. It was like a World War II. Uh, it, it went from it spanned World War II up into the '80s, and was like this just beautiful um, backstory to all of this, which actually makes me care about it. Um, so I definitely highly recommend that. I won't, I won't talk too much about it because I, I know you might want to do another episode on that, mm-hmm. but it, it beautiful, beautiful book. I mean, I recommend the shadow masters trade a lot. Uh, so, so pick that up if you're even mildly interested in it through this, or even if you're not, I, I think that stands on its own a lot better. No one listening to our conversation <laughs> is going to be interested in shadow That's masters true. based on not what we've all. been saying. <laughs> But that that whole volume is 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 excellent, and it it gives a lot of background. So we learn who. So I'll, I'll just briefly talk about who the Sunrise Society is. Uh, basically, in Japan, World War II, the uh, there were a, a group of Japanese rebels afterwards who were like, you know, we don't want these Americans here, and these sort of like ninja guys kind of fought against them, uh, who are who end up being the Shadow Masters, and they helped the Americans versus these guys. And these guys realized, well, wait a minute, you know, us fighting in them direct on is not going to work like this. We're going to work and like build companies and 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 gain influence through, through politics and have a secret society that that really dominates. And then Japan's going to become 
even better than Imperial Japan, you know, sort of uh, sort of thing. So they they were going to take over Japan through uh, just through influence rather than through uh, brute force was was the whole concept. Great, great concept. And that's the Sunrise Society. So they developed like all these bases and they, they became like this like Japanese kind of hydra, I guess. It just has all this technology everywhere. Like there, there's a point where they're going to like blow up the world almost. I mean, it, it got a little absurd, which I like out of comics. Yep. And uh, that, that's kind of the background of the Sunrise Society that we that we learned through this. And the Punisher ends up meeting with the Shadow Masters who, were, who come, descend from that ninja who was fighting them. And there are people trained by him. Uh, who then, you know, they mess with the Shadow Masters' uh, plans and then flee to America was was kind of kind of what goes on, and that's when the Punisher starts to interact with them. So that's kind of the background through that, and that's such necessary information to care about this that it's like, whoa! I mean, once I read that, I was like, okay, I don't hate the Mace as much as I did before because it looks like these were these were miniseries and. Uh, issues of the Punishers in 1989 and 1990. So it looks like Carl Potts really wanted to develop this. I'm going to guess the Shadow Masters miniseries did not sell as well as Marvel would have liked, and so they kind of didn't really push it, and that was that. And so Carl Carl Potts comes back in 1993 or four to do this Venom book, and he's like, "Man, I really want to. I I loved this storyline. I want to put it back in here." And he tried to shoehorn it into it. Is is what yeah. I'm what it seems like. Well, and mm-hmm. and we got we got a little note uh, um, an editorial note on the the definition of lcd but we didn't get a different uh, a little editorial note no. saying see the shadow masters <laughs> miniseries for more information wouldn't that be amazing yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been great to know super crucial and then um in fact just today just before we're recording this i'm like i wonder if mace ever shows up again and so I hop on to comicbookdb.com and type in Mace and, and see what I can find. And he appears in a four-issue serial serialized story in Marvel Comics Presents issues number 160 to 163. And this we can go over in detail because it's not collected anywhere and it's probably never going to be collected. So it, it's very important to actually this Venom story in particular even more than the Shadow Masters are. Yeah, I was surprised when yeah. I read it and I'm like, wow, John, John needs to read this before we talk about this miniseries because it, it is. It, it fills in the gaps. And my guess, because right at the top, right on the first page, it says Mace, created by Carl Potts and Barry Crane. Barry Crane is the artist on this this serialized story here. These two guys created the character. It wasn't cre- like the first appearance of Mace was definitely Venom the Mace issue 1. But the creators are the ones who did this story. So I think that this origin story was supposed to come out sometime in the past. And it got shelved, and then they pulled it out when they needed a story for Marvel Comics Presents because it is the origin of Mace. It explains everything about Mace, and it leads directly into this, this like, Carl Potts continues the story in this Venom thing. And so I, th- I would think that if this issue came before, we would have had some uh, editorial notes saying, you know, see whatever, whatever, in reference to a whole bunch of stuff that Mace talks about in this Venom miniseries. Yeah, 100%. Um, and this Mace uh, origin seems to uh, overlap with the Shadow Masters mini. Uh, it, it's the fourth issue of the Ma- Shadow Masters mini where it overlaps, and it's just from a completely different perspective. Um, so you get hints 
of this in the Shadow Masters. Yeah. Um, that that kind of made sense with it, and then this really tells that story, and and it just makes the whole thing gel and make sense. So wow. basically, the story of this one uh, for for an, an extra extra bonus issue. Um, is that Mace is this clone of a ninja guy who's from the Shadow Masters, and he's being experimented on and had all these body modifications and all this to become like the ultimate clone warrior. And then the Shadow Masters, or I'm sorry, the um, Sunrise Society's facility gets all messed up because the Shadow Masters are, are going in and taking it out. Mace escapes, and uh, Mace then flees. Yeah. Is, is the, yep. the gist of it. That's right. It's uh, the, the serialized story is only a few pages in each one. It's thir- the whole thing, all four issues, is 32 pages total. So it's just a, a slightly oversized, or I guess it's a double-sized comic issue. Um, and I think it actually says he flees to San Francisco at the end of this. Yep, he does. Um, yep. He makes yeah. a note that he, ne- he, he needs to go to San Francisco, and then south of that is Los Angeles. He says that at the very it, end of this thing, which is exactly what he says at the beginning of the Venom series as you well. Absolutely need this for the Mace then to make sense. And it, and once once you read this, like the story, I, I I still think the flow of the story is 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 pretty bad, and the whole setup with the underground people and the homeless people and all that, and then the, he's a protector. It doesn't make any sense in the context of the story either. It still doesn't work on that level, but at least the sunrise society elements make sense and and you understand where the story's going and what's what he's trying to accomplish with it it's absolutely amazing it's it's it turned a terrible venom story completely around to the fact that it's like i actually care about mason want to know more about his character now um you wouldn't have that if you just read the venom miniseries yeah i feel the same way and actually um like just given how the characters are written through this Marvel Comics presents and through the Venom issues, I actually care about Mace a little bit more than I care about Venom. <laughs> yeah, <games>. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so the Shadow Masters trade is it's not fat. Is there's a uh, five Punisher issues plus the four Shadow Masters issues, which I think are double sized, right? They are double sized, yes. Yeah. And then the twenty fifth Punisher issues also double sized. So it's it's three hundred and eighty eight pages. It's pretty good. Okay. So three hundred and eighty eight, you could still because that's not epic size, you still got you still got a uh, hundred and twenty pages before you reach the max epic size. Even more than that. So you could easily fit all uh, this origin story right here, the Mace Origin from Marvel Comics Presents, and you could fit the three issue Venom miniseries. And you'd have a complete Shadow Masters collection of everything that has ever been done of Shadow Masters in the Sun, Sunrise Society. And it would be kind of a cool package. But for some reason, they didn't stick those ones in. Yeah, they, they really wanted to. I guess they just wanted to brand it Punisher. So oh, yeah. They pro- yeah, they, that's probably they just left true. it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's too bad. But I highly recommend that volume. So, And, uh, and if, yeah. if you can find these Marvel Comics Presents issues which, which issues was it did you even i, I don't i'm not yeah, sure you stated that I, I did say it i'll say it again it's issue number 160 to 163 and you know marvel comics presents is an anthology series there are four different stories in each issue uh, and they just get like six or eight pages each and so yeah the, this this whole story of the maze's origin is serialized throughout those four issues absolutely crucial to the the maze here if you intend on reading the maze yeah um okay so because you read the Shadow Masters story and loved it, and because of this this Mace stuff, I, I think 
that we should uh, have another episode that is just about that Shadow Masters trade. Uh, because I'm more, I'm really interested to read it. Uh, it's It's been on my radar. I didn't know anything about it. But now that we've had this conversation about it so much, and, and because of how poorly the story was told separately, like without context, I really do want to read the context. And your high praise makes me want to read it even more. So I think we should do a Shadow Masters episode uh, sometime in the near future. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And if you are able to get Carl Potts uh, interviewed at some point, definitely ask him where he was going with this because uh, the this is it. The Mace is the end of the story. There's no more Shadow Masters. There's no more Mace. There's no more Sunrise Society. He's just fleeing to uh, L.A. to try to find the Shadow Masters, and then we never hear from them again. I, I would love to know if there was some sort of conclusion plan for it yeah i would love to know that too well i'll do my best to uh, get him on the line and uh, and find out that information yeah <laughs> cool. awesome well this has been great uh, um it's it's kind of fun to to rag on a, a bad comic and that's certainly what we did here but it was also interesting and informative and we learned a few things so uh, i think this was a good episode Definitely. Uh, I, I, this, this series did not merit this much analysis of it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's what the fun about podcasts, though, you know. <laughs> Indeed. It's super fun. Great. Well, everybody, we will see you next time when we talk, uh, when John returns to talk with us about the, sh- the Shadow Masters. See you later. Bye.